Hello, Edward. Hello, John. How you doing? Pretty good. Can you hear me? Does audio sound all right? I can. I can hear you. You're a little loud, but uh, I think I... you deserve to be heard. Well, that's kind of you to say. Yeah, just stay at your current level. I'll I'll adjust things here uh, at right. my house on my end. You have a new uh, new setup. Yeah, Is that my impression. Well, uh, it, you know, it's uh, I won't talk about it too much because it's very boring to talk about tech, but. Um, but I will say that uh, I decided to um, – I've been re- recording on an uh, iMac for years, and it's like with a regular plain old spinning disk drive. And for like – you know, I'm recording now like 24 tracks of music at a time and uh, um, doing things that like take forever to, for the apps to open. And it's it's just getting long in the tooth for the kind of thing that I, I'm doing. So I decided to switch to a very fast – MacBook with a solid state drive in it. And I figured that it would be very challenging to migrate all the stuff from one computer to the other. But these days, apparently, you can just do it. It does it for you. Just do a cold migration, I believe they call it. Mm, cold which is migration. What I, which was the first title of my last book before I realized that I wasn't sure what it meant. <laughs> when you just move, uh, I think it's when you just move move programs and files from one system to another without um, doing anything about them. Yeah, I essentially just cloned the thing over yeah. to the laptop and then and then the the con- cold migration. The cold migration and uh it's kind it's kind of working. I had to all my audio plugins I had to reauthorize, but other than that it's been great. So uh uh so yeah, so because you you're cuz you're working on on recording the next album? Yeah. Yep, we are, you learned the hard way that you need to Find a faster process or more dependable. I, I think less fussy people than me would not have had too much trouble using my old computer. But I, the other thing is that uh, you know I I I do audio stuff, and when I'm into photography, I do like you know take do photo stuff back here in the studio, and it's you know we have it on a separate thermostat, so in the winter I, I keep it fairly cool in here just to save money, and so I got to come in an hour ahead of time if I'm going to work back here and turn the heat up. And then everything is on one machine that can't be moved because it's a you know it's a desktop computer and I can't very well sit on the sofa next to Rian and futz around with it. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm away. I'm away from my beloved wife. So uh, one of the other advantages to getting a laptop was I could just unplug the thing, go in the other room, and like edit you know audio while hang- hanging out with the missus. What was that? Are do you have? Are you harboring a, a raptor? I am harboring a raptor. That's <laughs> um, no, Oscar. Oscar woke up at four this morning. Four o'clock. This is the morning. earliest we've ever recorded this podcast. And I've been up for three hours. <laughs> oh, God. Was that a and squeal of, of joy or was that a squeal of anxiety? It's a squeal of about of being uh, in the state of being about to turn two. <laughs> it's a squeal of, of consciousness. He's... He's beginning to speak. He's grown about. He's grown five or six inches in the last few months. Um, he's putting things together. He's becoming like, I mean, I, I'm not smart relative to other people necessarily his age, but he's becoming, you know, um, he's he's not being a baby, which is making him act like a baby. Has <laughs> he's he's learned to use tools? Yeah, man, it's been a rough <laughs> couple of days. 
Do you guys have been? Are you in? A, are you at home now, or are you somewhere else? You're in a new location uh, in terms of what's. I'm, I'm at you. home. I moved. I moved my desk, which is just a little table, uh, next to our, my new bookcases. So yeah, well, let's talk about this. This is the closest thing I've had to an actual, like workspace, desk, writerly looking corner, um, in a decade, yeah. except for places you know when I, when I get asked. I've had the opportunity to go be a, a visiting writer someplace. They usually have a, a nice, uh, a nice chair and table and, and books for you. Something I've never been able to actually put together in my own life. Yeah. But now I've got um, all my books are behind me. Uh, I've got a desk. It's right next to them. There's a little lamp. I've got a little drawing of some rhinoceroses. Oh, beautiful! And you've got some gingham curtains behind you. It looks like, or some kind of curtains with a pattern. Yeah, some on. IKEA, some IKEA curtains. Yeah. You don't have to. You don't have to cop to that. You could just say, "Yeah, these are some beautiful homemade curtains that my baby got a made." Wicker, a wicker giraffe. My two-year-old made. Um, so yeah, so I, I've and I think it also probably dampens the the sound a little bit. It might make me sound better. Yeah, actually, there's there's less echo than there often is. Right. Yeah. How many uh, are there? More or fewer bunny men? The number of bunny men? Oh, oh God! Oh God! Is it earlier there in Ithaca? I, it's you know supposed I, to be later. Or? It's, no, it's later, but it's ten. You know, ten a.m. is. See, we we've transitioned from a house with toddlers into a house with teenagers, so ten a.m. is actually quite early for a Saturday in, in oh, our see. house. Um, see. But uh, uh, I you, I'd like to see a rumble between the the bunnyman and the and the blowfish. Hootie and Echo can stay home, <laughs> right? But a bunnyman, uh, blowfish. Uh, Grand Guignol. Exactly. Yeah. One one survives. Well, what happened is is uh, um, trying to think of a, of a third. Um, Tom Petty's hiring a new heartbreaker, and uh, whichever <laughs> which whoever survives from the uh, he's gave them all broken pool cues, and, and whoever survives. Gets to be a heartbreaker. The rest are <laughs> or like really the, heartbroken. Like the fight scene in uh, Anchorman, where all the news the news teams manage to produce obscure looking weapons and tridents. Trident, yeah, um, yeah. So, uh, so, but, but you know, so I now have a, a desk and in, in my bookcase, which of course is maddening because it's a. Uh, uh, well, actually, I, I've been more productive next to the bookcase, but it's it's been it's different trying to write next to a bunch of books as opposed to writing at a kitchen table or at a coffee shop or the mall food court. Yeah. Right? Because um, even, even though the, the, the mall food court sh- seems is a much less chaotic place than a chair next to a, a, a bookcase in a quiet room. <laughs> is that, is that so? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, Rian, quieter. Rian likes re- writing at the mall food court. It's a it's a it's a very unbookcase like space. Yeah, and but I can kind of see what you mean. I mean, it's there's so much white noise that it sort of the the environment disappears entirely. I've never tried it though. Our mall food court has a um, a balcony with skylights, and uh, the furniture is hideous, but. Uh, it, there's something special about this place. There's something uh, c- cathedral-esque about our mall food court. 
A, a really shitty cathedral, but a cathedral nonetheless. What are, what are some of the offerings? What are the food offerings? Yeah. There's a pretty good pizza place called Sicilian Delight. Not a Sabaros. Uh, not a Sabaros. It's actually a. I don't. It's not a chain. It's just a local local pizza place. So actually, one of the one of the better pizza places in town, I'd say. They do a sort of stuffed, thin stuffed uh, spinach stuffed pizza that I think is really terrific. And they have uh, what, what do you call them? Uh, garlic knots. Garlic knots. I'll give you some garlic knots. What's a garlic knot? Come on, you don't know what a garlic knot is? I mean, is it is it like a garlicky bread that's tied up in a in a knot, pretzely sort of? Yeah, well, not a, a simple not, knot, just not, like a granny. Yeah, a, yeah, your basic, your basic, uh, your basic knot. Um, and, uh, and but it's not. It's, it, there's no space in it, like in a pretzel. It's just a dough tied in a knot and covered with you know butter and garlic. Idea for a bakery in a fly fishing region. Yes. All the pastries are in the various kinds of knots that you need for fly fishing. Not bad. Nail Not knots, bad. nailless nail knot, uh, other names for them. Names for this uh, establishment? I'm trying, remember, I'm trying to remember other names of knots that you use fishing. Uh, uh, I know the knots. I guess I don't know the names for them. But they oh, make great pastries. I don't remember the knots or the names. I have well, those knots for joining two pieces of, of line. Yeah. Uh, I could still I can still tie that one. Well, when you do the the loop, yeah, yeah. There's also the the nail knot where you put the the the, the thinner line through the the fly line, actually inserted into the line through a yeah. little hole that you make and then tie it around in a certain kind of angler's knot. Those would all make great pastries, They're seasoned properly with cinnamon yeah. or garlic. Well, any pastry shape is fine if if the if the ingredients are good. Not all shapes. No, you I like a rhombus. <laughs> Never liked a rhombus. So, um, trapezoid. So, so no baklava for you then. I make some exceptions. <laughs> baklava is a rhombus, isn't it? Uh, yes, it is. Yeah, it's a good. It's a, but that's a good rhombus. Yeah. Yeah, it's one um, of the good ones. Uh, yeah, what would this... Uh, One of the few good rhombuses in this world what is would this, a baklava. This not-themed uh, bakery f- f- intended... Open very, very early for fly fishermen who are about to you know, want to go get the, the good spot on the lake. Uh, it would be, be called... Um, uh, uh, insert pun here. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just the name good. of it. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to call a lot of, uh, yeah. a lot of stuff that. Um, so uh, Lisa, I asked on the on the on the Facebook, what, why, why, why are you up early? Lisa Rupp Bailey says up early to find my lost iPod so I can listen to you. Meaning you uh, and me. dining plans. I think I'll make cabbage rolls since I overbought cabbage for last week's St. Patrick's Day corned beef and cabbage feast. And then she says, I just ordered Ed's books on Amazon. Only 10 left of Mr. Skylight and four left of Rough Day. I had to do the math myself since the website says 11 and 5 yet. <laughs> so you understand she she bought one uh, apiece yeah, for herself right, and then subtracted right. those numbers from the total. She could have she she purchased wait to see you. 16. <laughs> she might have. Yeah, she's accidentally uh, writ her failure right there on the Facebook. She <laughs> says, can't wait to see you in Kansas, Mr. Skoog. Uh, when, when are you when are you headed? I'll hold Kansas? her accountable when I see her. Yeah. Um, I leave next Thursday. I'm going to fly to uh, Topeka, spend a couple of days with my dad, and then go down and be a, a visiting uh, muck-to-muck at 
uh, Wichita State University, yeah, which is currently thirty-five and zero in the season as it rolls through its basketball championship. Thirty-five and zero. Really? They didn't lose a game all season. The first time since the early nineties, UNLV, I think, managed to do the same thing. Yeah, under Tark the Shark, and uh, now they're in the basketball tournament, the annual basketball tournament. Yeah, and they won their first round, uh, which extended their winning streak obviously and uh they will probably win another couple games i am not i don't i don't follow sports as you know but i know enough about sports to know that it is very unusual that duke would be eliminated in the first round which is what happened. very unusual and i'm yeah. i haven't talked to them but i know my bandmates um adam and elizabeth who hail from north carolina will be very very excited at the moment because they are they're NC State people, not not Duke they're people. anti-Dukians. Yeah, anti-Dukians. Yeah, yeah. One cannot. I don't, I don't. As I gather, one cannot say live in Alabama and really love Auburn and the Tide. Just say, just enjoy the whole project of Alabama football. And similarly, you can't live in North Carolina and say I just love all the all the college basketball teams here. No, I don't think you can. The great state of North Carolina. Yeah, I don't think you can. Would want to. No. Here's my bracket. Okay. Uh, all right. You can see a lot of things crossed <laughs> out. Yeah, yeah. My pick for the national championship: the Kansas State University uh, lost what, in the what, first round. I was going to say, what an excellent choice. <laughs> so you don't actually fill out your bracket according to your analysis of the strengths and weaknesses of the teams. You, it's I'm tied- totally rational, except that my alma mater <laughs> has to be picked to win. So my, my bracket is usually pretty good, with the exception of the line that involved K-State beating Kentucky, and then <laughs> Wichita State, and then uh, Louisville, and then Duke uh, was going to be the next win. And then they were going to play Oregon, and then they were going to play Florida, and then they were going to be the champions. Yeah, it didn't didn't work out. None of that happened. No, none of that happened. Um, I don't really care, except uh, I like filling out the bracket every year. Yeah, sure. Everyone loves filling out. I had a um, didn't pay any attention to any basketball all season, but I like I like filling in blanks. My equivalent of that was uh, when I was a kid. I uh, was a coin collector for a while. Yeah. My my grandfather, my father's father, um, used to give me and then eventually sort of willed me um some of these some of those blue you know, those blue stiff cardboard booklets. Usually they're often a a tri trifold. Mm-hmm. It's a trifold. Uh, yeah, and uh with the little spaces that you can press press the coins into. And uh it gives you each year and it, for each year of a given number of years and then the what mint it's from so you want to fill in your like 1975 d quarter your denver or, yeah your, your, your uh your philly san francisco philly, philly right? you see uh-huh yeah and uh um i i was never like a lot of stuff i wasn't super invested either in money itself or the even like the the sort of con- conceptual underpinnings of coins i just loved Having all the things and putting them in the spots that were made for the things. Mm-hmm. That was that was and nice. Did anything replace that? Yeah. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> everything. <laughs> everything is still like that. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Would you, I, you, would you say you collect anything now? Uh, yeah, sure, but I, I don't. There's nothing I collect for its own own sake anymore. For you know, I collect books, of course, um, but only books that I want to read, and then I read them. You know, um, I collect records, uh, but only ones that I know. Like I'm not a collector in that I I'm looking for some really rare, you know, Japanese pressing of a jazz LP that costs sixty dollars when I can buy it on iTunes for ten dollars. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, the music I really like and and uh, might take the time to listen to on a record, I'll I'll buy new on a record and then like get the download code or what have you. Or you know, I, yeah. I have a bunch of guitars, but again, like, up to a point. If I'm not gonna, if I'm not willing to like take the guitar to a bar and you know, uh, fall down while playing it, uh, then then I don't want to have it. So. You don't want to just treasure something. No, no. I've, well, well, my way of treasuring something is, of course, using it. Okay. Using it. I, I think that there's a. I have to admit, I have a snobbishness about this. I, I really feel that my my version of collecting, the user collector, is in some way superior to the to the mere collector. But of course, that's mm. nonsensical. Mm. Well, I think it's different. It's a different mania. Yeah. I think the user collector. The, the the manic collector of collecting things for their own sake, like Mr. Wolf. Mr. Wolf? From out on uh, Reserve Street in Missoula. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, Mr. Wolf. Oh, uh, man. He would, he... he would not see anything you've just described as collecting. He would consider it probably wasting, in fact. Yeah. And not understanding that, that things are made to be uh, collected and sorted and hoarded. And mm -hmm. occasionally shown off, yeah, under very precise circumstances. <laughs> shown off with deep reluctance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so is he still out there, or some iteration no. of him, or no? No, we figured out that soon after we saw the, uh, the Mr. Wolf's Wonder Museum, whatever he called it, um, I think the land was bought and turned into a you know, something else. Yeah, uh, and I don't know what happened to the collections. Yeah, I remember maybe one of the early episodes of our podcast we talked about. We that. talked about it. Yeah, we have not. Only, I, when I my whole time in Missoula, I did no research on it. Mm -hmm. uh, when I could could have, you might have. Yeah. I used to have the card because we had his business card. Um, but I remember, I remember more or less where it was, and it's not there anymore. Mm -hmm. um, but where where have all of his pickaxes gone? All of his his wrenches. His uh, Smurf figurines. He had was it was it boxcars or was it like storage sheds or or uh, it was a lot of it was a mixture of all of the above. There were boxcars yeah. and there were storage there were some sheds. RVs. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, and all of them were connected by a series not a speck, of not a speck of dust. No. <laughs> These kind of ad hoc passageways from one vessel to another. It was crazy place. Yeah, I wish I wish I had been into photography in those days and taken a lot of photos. Though he might not have uh, have have allowed that. But oh, yeah. um, I got a uh, well before I say anything. Marcus else, Wolf. Marcus Wolf. That's right. Uh, Marcus Wolf's shit. What was it called? Something museum. 
Uh, what do you think of your friend Lisa's plan to uh, to cook this cabbage? I uh, because I think what you do with leftover cabbage is you throw that in the compost heap. You can. I mean, it lasts for a while. That's one of the things about cabbage. It's still good. What are these cabbage rolls she speaks of? Have you eaten them? Well, cabbage roll is mostly, um, a, I suspect, you know, ground beef and onion. Yeah. So, you know, spiced, um, and then wrapped up in in a cabbage leaf, and baked, maybe with a kind of like enchilada like with a kind of sauce on top of it. <laughs> or yeah. steamed, maybe steamed, maybe you steam a cabbage roll. But the the cabbage is, is uh, stuffing, like a spring roll, kind of. Uh, Eastern European tasting. Okay, okay. Well, that actually sounds pretty appetizing. German. 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 It's, uh, it's German, really. Ultimately, yep, this uh, cuisine is uh, German. Teutonic. <laughs> it's Teutonic. It's from, uh, you know, Deutschland. Yeah. yeah. Overall, you'd say it's from Germany. Yeah. Maybe uh, maybe a little Alsace-Lorraine, possibly. That's about as far out as you're going to get. Schleswig-Holstein. It's the disputed border with Denmark. Um, <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing Lisa. So I'm going to be in Wichita, um, and one of the weekends that we're in Wichita, we're going to have a camp out with uh, some friends. Uh, somewhere in Kansas, my Winfield uh, Bluegrass oh, yeah, yeah. Festival gang. Those who have the the free time, we're going to go out to camp out, play a little music. Are you going to eat some cabbage rolls? <laughs> cabbaged? <laughs> don't go around. Don't start going around just randomly cabbaging things. <laughs> That's right. Uh, uh, are you actually going to go to the actual Winfield this year? Oh, I hope so. It's not until September. It's the third oh, week right, in September. All right. All right. Um, this extended journey to Kansas is probably going to be my main trip to Kansas this year. Yeah. A month is pretty extreme. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I need to spend another month. What was the thing you said you were going to do at Wichita, though? A, hu- a hurly-burly? A hullabaloo? Does it, what, is that, what, did you, what does that involve? Are you te- you're it's, teaching? It's 60-40 hullabaloo malarkey fest. <laughs> Visiting distinguished poet. Okay, okay. Visiting distinguished poet at, at Wichita State University, meet with uh, grad students, tutorial style. Not Teutonic. For four weeks. Yeah. Uh, Going to stay at some corporate housing attached to a country club. <laughs> it's furnished and looks nice in the photos. <laughs> Sounds very homey. Are you going alone or are you bringing your family? Everyone's going. Dog, good, good. wife, baby, young man. Young man. He's acting like a baby. Wait, wait young and, man, has just Jack moved in with you or something? Or are you talking about Oscar? <laughs> yeah, Jack's, yeah, Jack's living with me. Uh, <laughs> no, Oscar. And uh, we're going to do some readings. Going to go read in Alva, Oklahoma. Yeah. The, I wanna... West Oklahoma State University College. My brother is a large animal veterinarian in practice in the area. Ooh. Um, they're the gold bugs. The fighting gold bugs. Nice. Northwest Oklahoma states fighting gold bugs. You know what the the parent of toddlers often thinks of when one mentions the gold bugs? Robert Louis Stevenson. No, Richard Scarry. Pirates, the pirates stealing their baby. My favorite uh, pastime as a child, pirates stealing their baby. No. Isn't that uh, what happens in uh, Goldbug is a, a Treasure Island, right? Treasure Island is, there's a yeah. gold bug in Treasure Island. Yeah. 
but I'm I was thinking of uh, Richard Scarry's uh, illustrated books for children, in which uh, each page, like on you know, what do people do all day, or the one with all the different types of trucks and cars. I guess they're mm-hmm. all ones with different types of trucks and cars, but uh, there's a little uh, gold bug that you have to find. It's sort of a proto Waldo. Mm-hmm. Um, that you have to find it's evolutionarily. Somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> it's an ancestral. Yeah. Further back in the in the scale, yeah, a pre-Cenozoic forerunner of Waldo. It survived the dinosaurs and eventually <laughs> became a tree-like shrew, and then, <laughs> as it developed uh, hands and stripes, it became <laughs> its eyes became rounder. It became the Waldo that we recognize today from books. I would like to see I when like we can find him. Yeah, yeah exactly. Or you see him in a zoo also. It's very disappointing to go to a zoo and you see Waldo and he's right there. There's no camouflage. There's no crowd. <laughs> just there, standing there. And please help me. Call the police. Did I force you to listen to uh, the uh, you know Jeff Garland's uh, interview podcast? He, he talked to uh, Bob Odenkirk. And Odenkirk, uh, just right on the spot, did a, uh, an audio, a Wal- Where's Waldo audiobook. <laughs> oh, there he is! There he is. <laughs> okay, is that what it is mainly? Uh, oh, it is. It's just a. It's just a like dispassionately uttered list of uh, of people, and then he says, and then he says, Waldo, guy who looks like Waldo. He just keeps going, right? Once you get to Waldo, you just keep on going. You gotta say all the other people. It was. It's. It was one of the funnier things I heard in 2013. So yeah, cabbage rolls. I can. I'm. I'm on board. I'm on board with that. Did you have any special uh, St. Patrick's Day cuisine? You know what? I didn't even notice it was, Saint, it was St. Patrick's Day, I have to admit. Um, You're wearing green today. Yeah. The lettering on your uh, hoodie, which I suppose Word? Spells perhaps? Word. It's my Word Word Brooklyn, Word Bookstore's uh, hoodie, which is which is probably... This it, it's the it's my favorite garment of this past winter. I've worn it as and not only as a pajamas. Uh, I have I've taught a class in it uh, at least once. I have worn it as a part of a coat. I decided to take a uh, and it's, this was quite successful. Rather than getting a big puffy winter coat, which would you know solve solve the problem of being cold, um, but is much too simple. I decided to have layers, have like a Levi's fake leather jacket that I may or may not put on top of a hoodie, which I may or may not put on top of, a, say, a flannel shirt, uh, which goes on top of a, either a regular undershirt or a thermal undershirt, right? according to uh, the weather forecast. So, uh, And I have pretty much managed to walk comfortably uh, to and from work and around my neighborhood <laughs> all winter long. Um, According to this layer system, have you spilled anything on this hoodie? Sure. Any sauces? Yeah. Frostings. Wine, wine or whiskey. Mm-hmm. Uh, there might be some cake crumbs in the pockets. Some. some Are there? Can you check? Well, yeah. I mean, you're wearing it. It's right there in front of you. Yeah, it's. I think maybe it's due for a wash. Actually, there's some crumbs in here. Some 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 old Kleenex. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was it from a birthday cake um, at work? Somebody else's office, though, that maybe you had to sneak the slice out. We're having a bit of a, a food problem at work. Which philosophy is that... department? Maybe there was a cake. <laughs> I don't know what they do down there. They have a whole wing of our building, philosophy, mm. and I just never, I never see them. 
Well, they're engaged in that question as well. <laughs> what they're doing. Professionally. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah, we our problem at work is that uh, it's a good problem to have, uh, but w- we have been using the same caterer for our um, literary events, and they want to, you know, we have lots of literary events, so we they get a lot of business from us, and um, they want to keep that business, and so they always give us more food than we asked for, um, and there's only so much that our graduate students can hoover up uh, before you know the the evening ends and there's always something left over and the office staff quite rightfully does not want big piles of leftover food sitting around the break room because they're all you know they mess like many of us they have to sit still all day in front of a computer and it's very easy to gain five to ten pounds a week you know based entirely on leftover uh on cheese balls yeah cheese balls is that a thing that's left over? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't think so. No, we. <coughs> it's usually like uh, little puff zucchini strips with, with meat in oh, them. Oh, pastries. Or, yeah, you know, or, cabbage or rolls. Sometimes like ve- you know vegetables and and uh, hummus and things like that. But uh, never that you know. One of my we've talked about it in the pod- podcast before, but this this thing. But um, one of my more vivid memories. One of the things you said to me that has stuck with me the longest, and you'll be very disappointed to hear it, it is not a line of poetry. It is when you told me when you were working at, I think, Microsoft, and uh, no one ever took away the the previous day's spaghetti dinner, and it just rotted in the hall. Uh, It was a Caesar Caesar salad, and it was uh, spaghetti, and then the sauce was separate, Um, and there's some other things. And it was buffet style in the... the things that would be hit by lit by sterno those trays and it was in a a conference room a darkened conference room (laughs) it was death it chilled me more than an actual death but it was more terrifying the actual corpse of my mother (laughs) said more about death than than actual dead bodies oh my god (laughs) it's strong it's a strong statement, but it's, it's really <laughs> but quite, it's quite it. true. All right, yeah. you you sent me a link to something. Uh, the cabbage rolls reminded me of of uh, a song about cabbage rolls. Oh, that you may recall from your youth, if you were into the Schmangies. The Schmangies. The Schmangie brothers. How's the boy? He's playing with blocks. He's got, he's got three blocks. Want to come over here and say hi real quick? By the way, I don't remember that Schmengi's uh, video. Cabbage rolls and coffee. Cabbage rolls That's... and coffee. Mm-mm, good. Yeah, yeah. They, hey, they say you... cabbage rolls and coffee, and you say mm-mm, good. Right. The audience says it's response. Yeah. It's amazing how responsive the audience really is, and it's clear that um, that uh, what what's his name, the guy who's not Eugene Levy. Um, John Candy. John Candy is not, in fact, playing that clarinet. Say hi to John. 
I'm making a little boy smile. Hello. Hello. Oh no! Now he's enough of that. Enough of that garbage. Yeah, Yeah, no, it's it's all visual. Uh, So, um, yes, uh, Harold Ramis passed away. Yeah, from death. Yeah, of death. Some wasting disease. Something horrible. I think. Yeah, I, 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 it's, it's very upsetting. Yeah. Oh, he was in last thing. He, he was in, uh, maybe one of the Judd Apatow movies briefly, kind of as someone's father, I think. Yeah. Uh, it was nice seeing him again because he was such a, uh, uh, figure of the first movies that I loved, you know? Yeah. Stripes. Yes. Particularly. Okay, Oscar. Say bye-bye. Take those blocks over to mommy. I'm go- I've, I've gone down an internet rabbit hole here. Jesus, this is crazy. So I tried to, you know, do this... Uh, <clears throat> I tried to do this thing where you can rip the audio off of a YouTube video. Yeah. And... Uh, you know, it keeps telling me, click this link to get your download. And I just have, keep getting sent to these extraordinary, um, I, I guess I'm on now. Find so out you have how, to come and get him, probably. Found, find out how I make money every 30 minutes wearing my pajamas and slippers. And you see a, a strong-armed man from behind. Let me explain. My name is Dan Anderson, but I'm mostly known as the pirate trader. That's right. I work from home trading while wearing my pajamas and slippers. And I make a hell of a lot more than any other nine to five I have ever had to experience in my life. And there's a little uh, uh, image there of someone using a very hefty looking laptop on his pajamaed, his pajamaed legs. Something tells me that this would, will not, uh, this would not work. And then you try to close the, uh, try to close the page and it says, are you sure you want to leave this page? Wait before it's a very you go. Good page. Yeah. Click the cancel button right now to stay on the current page. I have something very special for you. But I closed it. Um, I, this is like the the third time I've tried to download this. Okay, the MP3 is finally downloading. All right. So our listeners will get to hear the uh, cabbage rolls and coffee polka. Well, I hope they enjoy it. Yeah, of course they're going to um, enjoy if it. They've heard, if they if they had heard it and and forgotten it, I hope that it brings them back to the polka place in their hearts <laughs> a polka place in their heart disease is and if, if they're not already familiar with it i'm very sorry because you probably won't like it <laughs> <laughs> no it's charming uh so uh rian has had a terrible uh couple of weeks salad wise oh no she we went we tried to we tried a new place in ithaca not new we've been there before and i often bad salad is that the name of the restaurant <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think it. I think that's a that's a good idea, uh, to for. They put, they put uh, bad in quotes, so you think, oh, it's good salad. You could, you it's could actually, bad, it's bad as in good, right? <laughs> it must be good. It could. There could be a little logo of a cartoon salad with big eyeballs and uh, with a devilish expression on its face. Maybe a knife concealed behind its. No, a knife and fork that it's using to cut into its own. You know body of salad uh, it says bad uh salad but it's it's being it's a it's in a voice bubble by arsenio hall what people think it be 
<laughs> that's bad isn't good. That's, <laughs> that's some bad salad. That's right. In the right. Michael Jackson then, then sense. People, course, oh, that means bad is bad good in this that situation. Uh, it's not licensed. It actually is very bad salad. No, it's a place. I'm not going to name the place we went because I actually like it and I like the bar and I like their French fries. So I, I'll, I'll enjoy going there again. And uh, I don't want to walk in and have them say, you're the guy who dissed us on the podcast. Get out. Get out. I don't know. How that could no, possibly wait, come happen. back here. <laughs> Have this salad. <laughs> That's right. On second so, thought, please so be our guest. It was it was a a, a pile of a pile of wilted leaves and some uncooked broccoli and some cubes of bland tasting tofu, um, like autumn leaves. <laughs> maple, <laughs> maple leaf salad, French leaves. And then she she went out with some friends last night and. Uh, had a appetizer of she had got an appetizer of like crab cakes or something and then thought you know i sh- really should have a light entree so i'll get a kale salad and she figured the kale salad would be maybe the kale oh, would have been steamed a little bit or it would be chopped very finely and uh seasoned um and uh that was not the case it was just big old raw leaves of kale you can't eat that you can't you can't digest it no, not good. Did she eat it? Not much. She gives it. She brought it home and gave it to the chickens. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. And the chickens' reaction? The chickens' what? Reaction. Uh, pe- pecking. Okay. Yeah. They didn't turn up their noses at it. No, they, but you know they they can they, they do somehow develop noses and turn them up at it. And they they do uh, they can <laughs> express. <laughs> They can't express displeasure. They, they, yeah. you know, they examine a piece of food. They maybe peck it once, and then they look up at you with their, you know, with their head turned sideways, with their one beady eye, like, "What the hell did you put this in front of me for?" Come on, man. We've got this chicken that uh, was ill, and so Rian brought it into the greenhouse, the mud room, if you will, and. Uh, uh, where we figured it would last a few days and then it would die. And then we go bury it. Uh, and instead, it recovered fully and is now completely healthy. But the problem is the, 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 uh, the other chickens don't want her back. Really? Yeah. She's out of the, she's out of the pecking order now. Literally, the, it's, there's a reason it's called right. the pecking there order, is. of yeah, course. Right. And uh, so we tried to reintroduce her to the group and they just they shunned her. And so we're not sure what to do now. We have this chicken. They think that she came back from the dead and there's something macabre about her. She's the same, but somehow different. That's bad juju right She there. went away, but now <laughs> she's here, but. Yeah, so uh, she's, you know, she's, uh, she's she, they're not happy about this situation. And uh, now the chicken is really bored. Our mudroom is just covered in feces and, uh. The chicken we have, you know, the door for, that leads from the kitchen to the to the mudroom is has is mostly window. It's got a big window on it that stretches all almost all the way to the ground uh, mm-hmm. to let in, you know, some of the light from that room. And the chicken now, for most of the day, stands there <laughs> with it with her little head peeking up above the window, uh, and she and the cats examine each other through the glass. Um, sometimes try to alarm each other. 
with 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 great success. Yeah. And uh, I've now feel you know I'm just being watched when I'm going around the kitchen cooking. This chicken is just watching me do it. Mm-hmm. It's a little freaky. It wants to become a person. Here's the advantage, though. There's exactly one. Uh, the, to becoming a person our recycling bins or to no, having been a chicken no 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 no. you're on the wrong you're on a much more interesting track than the one that i wanted to talk about um so i, I reject it uh, okay all right it's fine it's uh, the listener who will suffer that's right that's right but that's what they're there for um you can you know this she's quite docile and she's starved for companionship so you you know she's very easy to catch and you can you can hold her so so now we have a bird we can hold. You you could come to my house and hold a bird. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like a chicken. I like holding a chicken. It's a substantial animal, really. Yeah. It's it's of a port in air. <laughs> it roosted there. Why don't you all have peacocks? We went to the zoo yesterday and had a nice encounter with a peacock. It came up. Um, there was a little goldfish. Um, on Oscar's from Oscar's lunch, that was in the hem of his, the cuff of his pants. <laughs> Peacock came up and and took the uh, goldfish from the cuff of his pants. <laughs> stood around, was cool, chilled, and then fluffed up its its uh, tail feathers and gave us the display. That must have been delightful. It really was. Uh, uh, you have some acreage out there. Why don't you have uh, any peacocks? I think I've asked you before. I think the I, I think and the maybe, answer was not acceptable. Whatever it was, no, I think they're assholes. Maybe they're they're loud. Breen says um, they're she, loud. She wanted them. She wanted them because Flannery O'Connor had them. She did, and even and the hens are pretty too. But the, of course, the the cars so did, are uh, very beautiful. Uh, Hunter S. Thompson. <laughs> oh no! High wonder, up in the mountains had peacocks. <laughs> I wonder if, how in what ways his peacock stewardship was different. <laughs> From the from the peafowl stewardship of it was Flattery the same. O'Connor. It's mostly the same. <laughs> did they did they meet? Did they ever have more gunplay? More gunplay. When did she die? Did they ever know each other? They probably didn't know each other. Um, as a southerner, he probably had an opinion about her. Sure. So, but upper south, Louisville as opposed to Milledgeville. I don't know when she died. She died in the 60s, I think, I think right? I think you're right, yeah. Um, he started publishing in the 60s. I think 63, 64. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, let's see. I'm just just see what happens when you say Flannery O'Connor and Hunter S. Thompson on the Google and then hit hit image. Who who knows? Sometimes you come up with uh things that you don't expect. Sometimes people encountered each other. In ways you don't expect, but you know what? That didn't happen. It looks like didn't happen. Didn't yeah. happen. Here she is, sur- surrounded by her uh, peafowl, though. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, uh, maybe I'll use that for our show image. Um, that's a pretty picture. Pretty picture there. It's black and white, unfortunately. But, mm-hmm. um, I went to a, uh, I voluntarily went to a literary reading. Uh, not but you were not. Part of that I was not part of. Um, I I went to spectate at a literary reading to my great great surprise, and um, the reading was uh, Rachel Kushner, author of The Flamethrowers. 
It's a very good book. Yeah, it is a good book. And Telex from Cuba. And she's been living in Ithaca this past year um, because her husband has a fellowship at um, at Cornell. Um, and uh, for, just for this year. And so I've encountered her a little bit. And I like her. But, uh, and of course, I like her writing. But uh, – some first, some graduate students were going to go to this, wanted to go to this reading, and I agreed to give them a ride. And then there was a, a high-profile breakup among the graduate students, and there mm. was going to be a farewell uh, potluck that uh, of one of the one of the members of the farewell to the relationship, farewell to the relationship potluck. And uh, um, actually, at one point, one uh, one person I talked to thought that. They were they were throwing it together. They were throwing a breakup potluck together. It turns out it was just one of them. But gosh, that would have been awesome. I think that's That'd a short story. There'd yeah. be a whole ceremony to it, right? Yeah. Oh, uh, here is the the handing over of the shoebox of things. <laughs> oh, and here's the questioning about that one CD. <laughs> and here that fails to resolve. Uh, yes, she has promised that if she finds it, she will send it along or give it to their friend Mabel, who will give it to him. <laughs> Oh man! Oh, here she is going back in, and she's playing the CD. <laughs> One tear, now steely resolve. <laughs> she's broken the CD. You need to write a poem. This is already a poem. I, I just wrote it. Yeah. So okay. I ended up. It was just. Uh, I just took one of my students over there, um, and uh, to, to Ithaca College, where she was reading. And um, God damn, that woman is funny. Is she really? And I can see why she sort of commands an an audience in a way that other writers of her uh, equivalent to her in stature do not. She uh she does um she does the voices of the characters, but and this is something I w- uh, this is a, a broader topic I wanted to ask you about that I was thinking about when she was reading. She has a, you know that book has a lot of free roaming odd funny conversations in it mm-hmm. that the protagonist who usually says very little um and is usually much younger than everyone around her uh is overhearing and she's transcribed these you know into the narrative i mean they're fictional but you get the idea um and uh they're all very distinctive characters who no doubt talk very differently their dialogue is very different and my solution to the problem of expressing character allowed in dialogue while while giving a reading is just read the dialogue that i wrote uh in my voice um because i i would think it to be kind of corny to try to do accents or inflections in some dramatic way and i'm i wouldn't be very good at it but what rachel does is she just does it subtly she does subtle, subtle shadings of inflection um a little bit of an accent, a little bit of a regional accent here and there, um, uh, sort of tone of voice. She, it's very good. It doesn't, and this is why I don't listen to audiobooks because people do the voices in audiobooks, and uh, it just sounds stupid. Um, yes, but I've got to. I've got to ask. She was she was mobbed by students with books afterward. I didn't talk to her afterward, but next time I see her, I got to ask her about this. If she's if she's thought this through or if it came naturally to her. Um, and it's sort of like the the writing of dialogue itself, right? You don't. I was about to say that that's that's how you should, that's how it's done well, right? Yeah. I mean, bad writing, it's very on, um, it's very uh, evident and and out there in front. Here's the beginning. All right, you got to repeat maybe, that because it didn't. It, we had a little uh, internet hiccup. A couple of little 
you know, accent signals when we first hear a character speak. Yeah, yeah. They're they're very small and hopefully you know funny but unobtrusive, and then those repeated occasionally or dropped entirely. Right. Yeah. Uh, what was Kittredge's line? You don't have to prove that a cowboy is a cowboy. Just right. People will believe. It says his character's Italian. It'll be Italian to the the reader. His character's from Savannah, Georgia. They will believe that. You don't and you, have you, to try to recapsulate that horrible accent. You can you do know. a lot with just plain old diction and syntax without, like, you know, trying to phonetically spell every every peculiar pronunciation or or not, you know, non-standard. I put in scare quotes uh, pronunciation of any word. And of course, the mm-hmm. the other thing is that that you know that with dialogue, you if you transcribe speech, if you transcribe people talking to each other, it does not doesn't read it doesn't read like like dialogue and if you carefully compose your sentences uh, to say so that everyone is saying exactly what they mean that doesn't look like dialogue either there's there's some somewhere in between where there's enough natural awkwardness based on based on character so she's really good at writing dialogue but i i really do think that reading dialogue is a is another skill entirely and it was i was delighted to to see that she was uh, she's good at that too so Bravo to Rachel Kushner for well done for for the only, one of the only optional readings I've been to in a <laughs> great long time and actually enjoyed. Hats off to Rachel Kushner. Hats off. Every hat I'm wearing, I'll remove <laughs> one by one, like a like a car full of clowns. Hats you ever see somebody hats. wearing a hoodie and a hat? Oh, I often wear both. Do you have the hoodie up and a hat on top of it? No, no, no. The hat uh, under it. You're, yeah, but you have the hoodie up. Yeah, I've had, I've had, I've had a hat on and then the hoodie up. Yeah, right. I'm just talking about the hoodie with the hood down and somebody's wearing a hat. Now, here's the thing: if it's cold, the, in terms of actual comfort, that's what you do. You put the hoodie on first. You put the hat on the hood up and then the hat down. Over oh yeah, it. absolutely. Yeah, because that'll keep you know it'll it'll cinch yeah. the. It'll cinch the, uh, yeah. you know, right around your thing there. Yeah. But that's but I wouldn't do that out of vanity. Yeah. Because I, I would think it would look silly. I think people often forget that a hoodie has a, a hat attachment. That is to say the hood? The hood, yeah. I think they think of the hood more as like a ceremonial hood, like for a, <laughs> a, a, a someone receiving a, a, a doctor of philosophy degree at a graduation. <laughs> right. <laughs> The hood is there. It's an important part of the of the appearance, but it's not meant to be raised over the head. Uh, I, I feel I find very appealing the notion that any part of a hoodie is ceremonial. <laughs> oh, it's very ceremonial piece of <laughs> piece of piece of garb. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, no, I, I, I. It's very utile for me. Do you wear? I don't. I can't imagine you wearing a hoodie. I can't. At least not with the hood up. Do you wear hoodies? I have a I have a hooded sweatshirt. Yeah. You don't even want to say the word hoodie. Zipper in the front. Um, yeah. It's like it's it's a little too familiar of a term, you know. Yeah. Um, I, I have one. I wore it a lot last year, but then after a few washings, it became uh, kind of the, the the color of it kind of blanded out, and it didn't look as good. Yeah, uh, and it was it was not adequate for um, most of Missoula cold weather. 
there was no match. Yeah. Um, I got it. I wore it in Mar. I think I mostly wore it the month that I was in Marfa, Texas. But it perfectly suited the the weather, and it was new and looked good and felt good. And then it, um, uh, then it wasn't. It's the hoodies aren't great for Seattle because it's it's too wet, too misty. Yeah. And a hoodie is uh, uh, just gets doggy. It's not a waterproof. What's garment. the what's the go to Seattle outerwear? Oh, something with a little bit of slickness to it. Yeah. You know, something that a, a that a, a raindrop can travel down and drip away with, rather than intermingling with the fabric. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, your Gore-Tex um, is good. Um, but I guess people wear fleece. I guess fleece, fleece is not waterproof, but it doesn't absorb the same way that a cotton uh, fabric does. I don't, I don't think that anybody's figured it out. I mean, Seattle, <laughs> as cozy as it is, is also, I mean, it's very cozy and comfortable, but also kind of uninhabitable at the same time. Um, the, the main piece of clothing people wear in, in Seattle is a housing. <laughs> I think. You, know. you, you look good in that house. <laughs> yeah. People do look good in houses here. You look good in that apartment. They're roomy. They wick. You know, it's the, it's the garment you can wear with others. It sure is. So the so the uh, the canonical uh, Seattle outer outerwear has not yet been invented, is what you're telling me. No one's no one solved the problem. No one has. Uh, maybe we'll get on it. Uh, we formally s- submitted our the, the city submitted its application to become a UNESCO uh, city of literature mm-hmm. this week. With a, a really well-written proposal, largely written by the novelist Ryan Budenow. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Ryan his work. Good, good writer, funny writer. Uh, Littlest Hitler, a collection of his stories. <laughs> that's <laughs> um, and so he's been spearheading this this project, um, and uh, so we'll find out in November if we're a UNESCO city of literature. And maybe because I noticed that most of the other cities that have been cities of literature. Are also uh, rainy places. Yeah, uh, Reykjavik, I think uh, Norwich and Dublin, maybe. Um, well, it's the it's the result of people needing to find something to do indoors. Right. So I'm thinking that maybe from some of these older cultures. I mean, Seattle is well, I argue as old as any of these. It's it's uh, and people have been living here and doing things, you know, telling stories and eating and surviving pretty well for 10,000 years. But, but as far as uh, uh, um, uh, I don't know, contemporary clothing goes, there's only, nobody's quite, as I said, nobody's really figured it out what to wear here. Yeah. But maybe some of these, these other, other cities have figured it out. Any Reykjavik or Norwich or Dublin. What about in, in some of these cultural Filson. exchanges, they can come over here and they'll be wearing some fabulous rain garment, and we'll we'll think, hey, we can we can wear that here. And what then, about uh, what about Filson? Isn't that a Pacific Filson's Northwest? nice? Yeah, yeah, but again, not really waterproof. Yeah, it's warm. Filson's kind of a car coat. Yeah, generally looks um, looks like oil cloth or something. Yeah, 
Yeah, not best looking stuff, but yeah, not quite. Not tarp quite there works, in. but it's bunchy. <laughs> hey, how come no tarp one has made is bunchy? No one has made uh, coats out of uh, that I've seen anyway out of uh, tarpaulin. You know, blue. That's that bright blue color, kind of wrinkly. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah. I used to have. I still have it actually, but I stopped wearing it's it because it's ridiculous. I actually have a jacket made of um, uh, Tyvek. Yeah, it's you know the stuff that. Uh, yeah, and I had a wallet made out of it. Oh yeah, 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 like a like a FedEx overnight envelope. Yeah, yeah. Tyvek, Tyvek jacket. It's it kind of oily, it, kind of an oil paper. It breathes really. not at all. It is very uncomfortable. It could suffocate you. Yeah, pretty much suffocate your yeah. uh, your through the pores. Yeah. Uh, so over on uh, over on the Facebook, um, we had more comments. Um, Crad and Baron, who's Crad right. and Baron? Friend Brad of and Karen. Brad and Karen. Brad and Karen. Karen Thomas and Brad. And my yes. friend Brad, her husband. Oh, okay, you it's, you paused as if you were going to utter Brad versus Sunshine. Oh, I don't need to say his last name because I remember it. Yeah. All right. Good. Uh, they and it's it actually Huffman. It's, Huffman. Huffman. It's it's a little odd to. It's, for, it's a strange. It's a strange name. It's Brad Human, but it's spelled like Huffman. Really? Yeah, Brad Human and Karen Thomas. Uh, so they um they share a Facebook page. That's rather sweet. Mm-hmm. So they they're very they're very close. Yeah, they say up they love each other, John. <laughs> Tell me more of this love. Uh, they say up early to let a horse out going to a chili cook-off later today it sounds like a solid agrarian pleasure day that sounds nice semi-agrarian uh, Collier Nogues do you know Collier Nogues? I do Fine Collier, Collier Nogues uh, um, but she says her location is listed as Hong Kong but she said it's Sugar House Weekend in New Hampshire I'm going to have maple syrup for dessert. For she lives dinner. in Hong Kong. She and her husband live in Hong Kong, but she's visiting um, their home. Their home for a month. Uh, New Hampshire family. The monthly, the yearly visit home. Another of our listeners, uh, Hope, also a poet. Hope Jordan lives in uh, lives in the Shire as well. Maybe they should meet. Mm-hmm. Another of our our uh, our most reliable listeners, I think. Which is to say, they've listened. She's listened more than once. Mm-hmm. She has said that she's listened to it. Yeah, she's claimed to have listened to it. Yeah, maple syrup for dinner is not a bad idea, and there are many fine uses for maple syrup at dinner. You have you all, your house has opinions about syrup, if I recall. Yeah, uh, well, we're pro syrup, of course. Um, we for a long time tapped trees, and we'll probably do it again someday. That's right. That's right. Uh, but uh, I've j- I've just been too busy. Um, this semester to do it and uh uh we had one we had one kind of bad year where the syrup didn't taste very good and then it got moldy mm. uh i don't know what we did wrong but w- most years we've not had much trouble uh, making really really good syrup just out of the trees in the yard so i recommend the process it makes the house smell good just put a pot on the uh on the wood stove boil it all day all day, that's the sugaring. Yeah, process reducing it, reducing it, reducing it until it gets really starts to get viscous. Then bring it in the kitchen, put it on the uh, stove at a very low temperature, and then you got to keep an eye on it 
because if it goes too far, it just turns into, you know, turns into sugar. It doesn't, it's no longer mm -hmm. liquid. But that's the only challenging part. I guess tramping around in the snow, hauling buckets of liquid is also a bit of a challenge. But just mm -hmm. an irritation more than a challenge. Mm -hmm. What are your dining plans for the day, Ed? Man, I don't know. Um, everything's just been so chaotic here with Oscar's strange hours. Yeah. Woke up at four this morning. Woke up at, uh, it was up from one to five yes, last night, two nights ago. Yeah. Um, and they, this ha has not compensated with longer naps or going to bed earlier yeah. during the day. In fact, yesterday it was such a tantrum. We went to the zoo in the morning, had a nice, nice peacock, uh, um, uh, interaction as I described earlier. Yeah. Um, look at, looked at some cows. He's been ravenous. Oscar, we were, he was eating some ground beef and Wait, looking at the cows, <laughs> thinking that, that I could eat all I want because there's more right in front there's of me. There's drool, drool dripping down his chin as he looks at the yeah. cows. Yeah, the, the zoo just makes him hungrier. <laughs> all that bush meat. He got to touch a snake. He wanted to eat it. Um, and uh, then we came home and he, he napped, usually he naps for three hours, he napped for about an hour. And then he climbed out of his crib for the first time. Oh, man, I remember that. I was, I was, I was sitting at my desk. I looked over, and there he is suddenly standing in the kitchen. Uh, yeah. Surprised at himself. But he didn't make any noise as he, as he climbed out. Just suddenly he... So now he... That's a big milestone. Yeah, uh, and it's also the end of your life. Yes. This marks the yes. end of your life. Uh, yes. When Owen, when that happened with Owen, he, it was not stealthy. He, um, it was deafening. A deafening crash, and it woke us up. And then we didn't; we had no idea what it was. Maybe um, he crashed through the floor into yeah, the basement. That's right. That's right. No, he just made a big thump on the on the floorboards, yeah. and Oof. we we like woke up suddenly. What's what's going on? And then we heard footsteps, and he ran into our bedroom and said, "Oh, an out bed." <laughs> well, that's the end of that. Yep. yep. Um. Yeah. A few, few books in the trash right there. <laughs> Can I? Uh, uh, can I tell you about the uh, extraordinary egg sandwich I made myself yesterday? I'm going to make another one after the podcast. I'd like to hear about it. I'd like to hear how you make one. I am going to tell you, my friend. It's this is this is the way to do it. Because when I was I, in Missoula at at the at, uh, Cafe Dolce, where I would go a couple times a week, they had yeah. a great fried egg sandwich. I loved it. Can't figure out how to make it. Seems like the simplest thing in the world. Can't do it. Really? Can't. Yeah. So tell me, how do you make one? Maybe, right. maybe, maybe I'll learn. I'll be very precise. Here's how I do it. Um, and this, it started, I was out for a long walk. Uh, I was walking home from work. Uh, and uh, and Zek called. And I talked to her for a while. And she was telling me about uh, goat brie. She, you know, she's, she's lactose intolerant, but she can have, she can have a non-cow dairy. So she's in raptures over this goat brie. And I suddenly remembered that um, shockingly, our local grocery store, the cr not the good one, the crappy one, um, for some reason started stocking this goat brie. So I thought, I got to get me some of that. Like, I started fantasizing about goat brie. And I'd had this before and knew that it was really, really smooth and delicious, really, really good cheese. So I, uh, when I got home, I got in the car, went down to the supermarket, got the goat brie, came back. And then here's the process. I took a couple of slices of um, 
this uh, bread I've told you about before, Heidelberg Bakery, which mm-hmm. is a local bakery, and they they make these rounds, sliced a sliced round, and so I took two of the thicker pieces from the from the middle, that sort of you know uh, crescent, almost crescent shaped, but flat on the bottom. Took two of those, put them put them on a plate. Uh, on one side, I sliced or mushed bits of goat brie. I essentially coated. Hello. What? Oh. You still there? Uh, uh, Ed? To those of you listening at home, Ed suddenly lunged toward the computer, his computer, his uh, webcam, and then uh, he and then he disappeared. Are you back? Oh. Oh. There was a, a little uh, a hiccup in transmission. Oh, okay, good, good. Uh, I'm, I'm back. Yeah. Okay, you're back. So, uh, so I take these two pieces of bread. I, I, I cover one with bits of goat brie, and then I um, turn to the, the uh, stove. I scrambled two eggs, heated up some olive oil in a in a skillet, and then I poured in the the scrambled eggs, and I, basically, uh, you know, t- tended tended them into a piece of bread shape, in the pan, mm. flipped it over cooked it on the other side for a little while and then I spatulated that onto the onto the empty piece of bread uh oh and but, but before that on the empty piece of bread I had I had spread some um I had spread some uh wasabi mustard and so uh then I put the egg on top of that put the put the goat brie piece of bread on top of that and then cut it in half and then I Treat it like a grilled cheese sandwich. So I put some butter in the skillet that I just cooked the eggs in, and then I uh, uh, heated up some butter in there, and then put the two sandwich halves on there. Waited for them to brown on one side, then flipped them both over. So what I got was a melty cheese and egg sandwich, crispy on the outside. So the egg was all cooked by the time the, you. The egg was pre cooked. You cook. Then you did the 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 the, the, the sandwich treatment after you the egg is done. Yeah. Yeah. Wasabi mustard. Yeah, wasabi mustard. Let me see. That was can... a recommended choice to you, or you thought, oh, that'll be good? Uh, Rian brought it home from the supermarket one day, and uh, I instantly approved of it. So I'm, I'm Googling it now. With any luck, I'll be able to link, link to it for you and for our listeners. Here it is. It's Ingelhofer. Ingelhofer wasabi mustard. Oh, a little, little jar. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we're running out of time. We should wrap this up. Anything uh, you, you're going to tell me about uh, your day? I have no idea what is going to happen today. I've got some meetings uh, people I need to meet with over the course of the next few days before I go to Wichita about my August show about the Triggering Town Review. Yeah. Trying to get people organized for that. We've got, uh, uh, made a lot of forward in organizing for it. Yeah, it's, good. Uh, it's looking good. Got some parameters, got some framing devices, got some uh, <laughs> uh, cartographer, cartoonists involved, have uh, uh, stand-up comedians involved. Nice. An actual actor, um, the architect designing the stage, um, 
uh, it's coming together pretty nicely. Wonderful. Uh, so we got you got a website yet? Because it's it's no. all on the, it's all on the internet these days. You got to get a yeah, website. Yeah, I don't think don't think I need a website. No, you don't think you it's need a, a website? It's a show. All right, come to the show. Don't look at the website about the show. So you're not going It's not going to be available for uh, streaming online. Haven't decided. Haven't decided. Mm, okay. All right. My original plan was for it to be a podcast. Yeah. Because I was going to do it more regularly, but since this may be the only time we do it. Yeah. Um. I think I think podcasting of it and recording of it might wait until um, uh, if it turns into a regular series. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we'll do that. All right. Well, it was going to be a weekly show. That made sense. But now maybe uh, maybe it's monthly. Maybe it's quarterly. That's a uh, it's a nice nice part to ab- easiest part to abandon. Right. I think is that. All right. Well, I you know I only ask because I'd like to uh, get to hear, get to hear it, well, get to see it. August twenty second and twenty third, the Richard Hugo House. Well, you know, it's I might not be able to fly out to Seattle on those days. Well, oh, no, that. But <laughs> all right. Well, I'll, I'll I'll think about it. Might not be able to get a ticket, John. It's true. I might not. Might be sold out by then. It's true. I should. Uh, yeah. I should get on the get on the stick with ticket buying. And the rest of your day, the rest of your weekend. Is today was today waffles or pancake day, or is that waffles? Tomorrow? Waffles and pancakes are tomorrow. Uh, I'm gonna gonna make that sandwich, and then uh, tonight going out with Rian for uh, dinner. It's our date night. Probably get sure. a drink at the Argos Inn, which I'll I'll save for another podcast. If I haven't talked about it already, good cocktails. This new new bar in Ithaca, mm-hmm. uh, with an in, with that is interestingly funded. Let us let us say publicly. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, all right. Well, uh, I look forward to hearing about it soon. Have a lovely weekend, my friend. Next time we talk, I'll probably be in Kansas. Okay. You're going to so podcast have from Kansas. Lot to say about that. All right. Good. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Bye, John. See you later. Are you hungry for lunch? Well, then let's have lunch. Do you want some lunch? Well, then we'll give you some lunch. It's time for Lunchbox with Ed and John.